Production. Recorded live. All right. So uh, once again, this is Mike. Uh, enough about the truth. Uh, my journey to find it, and I found it in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then I found God's blessed me with uh, bringing other brothers who have the same realization. And uh, so today we should have, be blessed with a dialogue between uh, Chris and Larry on. Romans, Roman chapter 11. And uh, that's one thing I was talking about before you, you showed up, uh, Chris, we were talking about the difference. Uh, like last night, you know, because we had uh, you and I and Larry and then Walt got in there. And uh, it seems to me they get the message about, uh, I think monologue or dialogue is best. Once you get more than two, everyone needs to get their, their point across. You know what I'm saying? Not to say that nobody has the uh, valuable points. But I think just continuity always seems to flow much better with a monologue or a dialogue. And I think dialogues are better because they, we're able to check each other. If you get two men that really are guided by the Spirit. So I'm looking, good to the, looking forward to this dialogue, gentlemen. And I will hand it over to you. And I will keep my mouth shut unless there's something I really have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's just... Uh, tell you, extend to you that you know any time you have something go into your mind that's uh, you know that's that's needs to be shared. Please just say comment. I have a comment, you know, because that's what uh, that's what we want, you know. And uh, I will I will definitely do that. But I I enjoy and others do too. They enjoy listening to you two gentlemen talk to each other. So I'm looking forward to listening. To this one. Okay. Well, Chris, uh, you know, I was looking, and you you may or may not be aware of it, but oh, about a month and a half ago, I guess, it's amazing how time flies, uh, Michael and I did a Bible study on Romans 11 and 12, and um, it was quite a uh, marathon, as I recall. <laughs> we really went that day. We were... We were pretty wound up, um, and uh, what I'd like, you know, with with Michael's permission, because it's his program, I would like to try to keep this, if possible, uh, at least uh, not to go over an hour and a half. Because uh, the reason I say that is I put these on sermon audio. And I watch, you know, I watch when people drop off and they stay on. And and now I know that Michael doesn't agree with me on this, but maybe the sermon audio is different than the than the audience at large. But what I found is if it goes much past an hour, you're going to lose them anyway. So, and uh, if they look on because they can look on sermon audio and see how long it is. And a lot of them won't even go on there if it's you know if it's over an hour and a half. They just they they see it's too much of a time commitment. So that's my thoughts. What are your thoughts, Chris? My thoughts are if it go if it's under an hour, I don't want to lay back and listen. A lot of times, yours is an exception, right. but because uh, a lot of yours are maybe you know half an hour around there. But you're a friend of mine and brother. So. <laughs> but, but in uh, that's an exception, but but the fact is, I like long sermons, and I think in our day we don't hear enough long sermons. And you know, it's like the Arminian pastors this so typifies Arminianism, and they're the majority of churches today. They, you know, they'll say things like on Super Bowl Sunday, "Well, you know, uh, you know, flock, I'm going to keep the I'm going to keep the sermon real short, so you can you can all get home and watch the game." I mean, there's nothing more disgusting in my mind or heart to hear some preacher. You know, God won't be mocked. He won't. He won't. He won't share His glory with another. And you can't do well. I think you get my idea here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, sounds like I'm outvoted, uh, <laughs> which is that's no problem. Uh, you know, I, we we'll, we'll see where this goes and um, kind of look uh, look at look at where we're at. You know, I uh, as we get into this 
chapter. Uh, I'm going to cite some materials that people can go to, I think, for further clarification and further referencing that might be helpful. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and let you read, uh, Chris, because you're, you're a good reader and you do a real good job. And if, uh, if you could read like the first, oh, let's just read the first 10 verses. Why don't you read the first 10 verses and then uh, then, then feel free to make any comments, and then uh, that way, you know, you can make your comments on those ten verses, and I'll probably jump in as well, and then we'll go from uh, verse eleven down to twenty-two. But um, I'll shut up and let you do the first ten verses here. First thing, chapter eleven, Romans. I say then, hath God cast away His people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What, yet not, what the scripture saith of Isaiah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh, for but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, they may not see, and bow down their back alway. Hello. 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 I can hear you, but no one I can hear anything else. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Chris does. Yeah. <laughs> Chris. Well, I am I'm certainly oh, in human. Oh, okay. I, 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 I said I, at the beginning of the show I said Roman and it's Roman, so my apologies. I'm so human. <laughs> in my apologies. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry about that. I had my mic muted. Uh Chris, you want to go ahead and make uh, comments on those first ten verses? Well, this is uh this is uh n- national Israel rejecting Christ and the and the gospel he brought. This is Paul's, uh, you know, admission that uh, his own people are without and are not part of the remnant because they rejected Christ. They murdered Christ out of hand. It didn't fit into their their whole hierarchy, you know. And the people just went along with it, save a remnant by grace. And Paul gets into the grace aspect. And he get, he brings David into the picture as an analogy, whereas the uh, also the uh, you know I think Paul was at a point where gee no one's hearing this and but God pretty much let him know that I guess when Isaiah thought there was no one of like mind in his day, God told him there were seven thousand who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And everybody was bowing the knee to Baal, like in our day. It's a little uh, condensed version of uh, those ten verses. Yeah. Um, Can you hear me okay? Can you guys hear me? I hear you. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Yeah, I agree with that. you know, the the point being that, you know, some of these uh, Jews, uh, the seed of Abraham, were elected. 
and, and the rest were hardened. And, um, you know, it starts by saying, you know, God hath God cast away his people, you know. And then it says he has, he has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. By the way, that includes both Jew and Gentiles, um, the people that he foreknew, you know. And um, there's, you know, verse 3, they've killed thy prophets. Who who are they? Well, the, de- the they there are those whom have been hardened, you know. And I am left alone to seek my life. <laughs> you can go back to First Kings, the 19th chapter, and find out, you know, how that all plays its, itself out. And of course, you know, Paul's fast-forwarding and saying right now, in verse 5, right now, or even so at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. He doesn't say there there is a remnant according to the election of the genealogy. <laughs> That's what a lot of the Jewish people uh, actually believe today. That it's been so inculcated in the in the uh, theology of today that uh, a lot of the Jews who have no knowledge of the Bible, they they're you know we're a Judeo-Christian nation, as you know. <laughs> And Judaism has nothing to do with Christianity. But here we find that a lot of these Jewish people who have, um, who, who are not God's elect have bought into this idea that they are God's chosen people because they've been told that by all of these dispensational futurist the, uh, theologians. And so, um, anyway, I, I've talked about the Jerusalem prayer team and all that, and, uh, the big brochure I got from, you know, Dr. Michael Evans, and dear friends of God's chosen people. Okay, that's the way he starts the six-day le- the six-page letter on signing the book of the six million Jews and giving generously, as possible, to declare to the Jewish people Christians' love for Israel. You know. That's what we're talking about here today in this chapter. And I've just posted, I, a number of years I went into Walmart, was walking down the aisle, and I saw a book entitled Jerusalem's Countdown by John Hagee. And this sermon is outlining uh, in detail, um, you know, John Hagee's point by point, um, the Zionist. A proclamation that all Jews are God's chosen people. But, um, you know, Paul has a different story. He says in verse 4, But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Okay? Um, you know... I don't know if you remember, but there in the Old Testament, there was a time when there was a lot of Baal worship going on, and they were all invited in the temple to come and worship Baal, and then he had them go in and kill them all. So, um, but then he goes and makes a leap in verse 6, like he does so many times in Galatians. This is really a good takeoff from Galatians 5.4. I mean, this is the same thing he says in Galatians 5.4. If by grace and it is no more works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works and it's no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. I mean, that's you can't have them both. You can't mix them up. And uh, in question seven, you know, what then Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it. What was Israel seeking for? <laughs> You know, Israel is all, the nation of Israel or the state of Israel or the, you know, whatever you want to call it, has always been seeking for an earthly kingdom. Um, but the spiritual Israel were seeking for a heavenly kingdom wherein dwelleth righteousness. And the election obtained that, you know. But uh, then, you know, we see in the eighth verse that God's given them the spirit of slumber. 
eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. By the way, you can you can see that if you want to cross-reference in Isaiah 29. That's exactly what Isaiah said. That's what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah, the fifth chapter, and so on. And so David said, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and so on. Let their eyes be darkened. You know, you can go to Psalm 69 and see that same same uh, verbiage there. Let their eyes be darkened and so on. It all can be validated through the Old Testament. So um, Psalm 69, 23. And we're not going to go to all that, but, um, you know, now... Before I'll, I want to just say one other thing. I I was given a a little booklet called the Signs of the Time, and it's um, the oldest primitive Baptist periodical in America. It was actually started in 1832, and it was devoted to the old school Baptist cause. Okay, and. There is an article in here that if anybody is interested in it, I'm not going to read this whole article, but I think I could probably scan it on my scanner and put it in a Word document, but it's entitled, isn't it? It's actually an editorial by the editor of this, Jerry Farmer, uh, and he has done a a whole article on this subject about you know, uh, the bond woman versus the free woman. And it is, I mean, it, it's its about a one, two, three, four-page article. And he covers it in depth. I mean, he covers it in depth. And, it, and the bottom line is, is that uh, to make it real, um, uh, <laughs> I'll just read one paragraph that will kind of give a synopsis. After explaining the wondrous and mysteries Mysterious workings of Almighty God down through the ages. The inspired apostle gives us much assurance to the children of God. And so so then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. None deserve to be counted as children of the free woman, for it is all of grace. The only way one could be a child of the free woman is by birth, by being born of the Spirit. And we know that no one has any part in his birth process. It's altogether passive. So... If you've been given a hope of salvation based upon the kindness and goodness of God, our Savior, who came and suffered and died for your sins, and I hope and trust mine also, and who by the power of God took up his life again, you are not a child of the bondwoman, but of the free. You have been born from above and are an heir of the promise of eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. Praise, honor, and glory due unto our God forever who alone is worthy. I trust that this was written in love and in hope of eternal life, uh, Jerry Farmer. So that's uh, sort of my thoughts on that those first ten verses. So, Chris, if you want to pick up, uh, or if you have any comments, you know, from the from what we've said, but uh, eleven through twenty-two, I think would be uh, the next the next staircase. <laughs> Just one more comment, you know, Galatians really points that out you know the, yeah. the free woman which is is uh is free abraham's wife sarah right, right. brought forth the promise a weighted child in an old old age it was a miracle and the the bond woman agar which which was sarah's handmaid and you know i i, I view the modern armenian as the is the children of Hagar, just as the Muslims are the children of of Hagar. Yes, yes. The the, the real Jew or the, the the Israel of God are the elect of God that understand God's free grace and sovereign will. So there's a distinction, but you'll you can really see that in uh, in Galatians. Paul points that out eloquently. Yes. Anyway, uh, verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles, 
or to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. By any means I may provoke to emulation they which are my flesh and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first, first fruit be holy, the love is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches are broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. What are your thoughts about that? Um... Um, well, this is hard language here. Most people get this wrong. Get it really wrong. Because this is going to lead up to the, the bringing in of all Israel. And Paul's just reiterating the fact that he's the, he's the apostle to the, to the Gentiles, which was disdained by the Jews. Another reason they wanted to kill Paul even though they thought he was bringing the, the, the Gentiles a false gospel because they rejected Christ. Uh, he's saying it to provoke some to jealousy. Well, there were some some Jews that it, it came around and became saved as a result of Paul's ministry to the Gentiles out of jealousy. Paul points this out. Again, always keep in mind it's a, it's a remnant saved by grace from any country's people's distinction. Not based on them, but by God's free will and grace imputed to us through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Very well said. You know, it's very deceptive, very shrewd, the way some of these, uh, you know, people with doctor's degrees from seminaries will couch terms to confuse and scatter the sheep. For an example, in this letter, Dr. Mike Evans says, he's quoting now, he's quoting Mother Teresa. And listen to the quote, how he, how he couches this words. He says, I can never forget praying with Mother Teresa in Rome many years ago. Quote, this is what Mother Teresa said, quote, real Christians, she said as she prayed, love the Jewish people. <laughs> now, you know, if we're real Christians, okay, um, aren't we supposed to love everybody? I mean, aren't we supposed to uh, love our enemies? Um, that doesn't mean that we love those who abhor Christ, but what I'm saying is that to try to say that real Christians, okay, love the Jews. In other words, the the presupposition is that if um, if you don't love all the Jews, you're not a Christian. And here's the problem. Um, the problem is she's saying the Jewish people, but we're, he's not talking about just the Jewish people. He's talking about promoting the nation of Israel. So we could restate it, and really what she was praying was real Christians love the statehood of Israel. Okay. I don't love the statehood of Israel. I don't have any, I, you know, and why in this particular, uh, you know, this particular uh, brochure has a picture, you know, of Mother Teresa and stuff, and on the back, it's promoting uh, the Honorable Benjamin Netanyahu, and it's promoting 
uh, Danny Aon, the ambassador of Israel, and uh, here's what here's what Netanyahu has to say about Mike Evans. Quote, Mike Evans is a fighter for freedom in a world of darkening and narrowing horizons. In his devotion to Israel, see, this is not about his devotion to the Jews. It's his devotion to the state of Israel. In his devotion to Israel, Mike has consistently demonstrated the moral clarity that is necessary to defend Israel against the lies and distortions of its enemies and champion the Jewish people's claims to the land of Israel. See, it's all about the land. I look forward to strengthening our friendship on his many future visits to Israel, end quote. So you can see the link. I would like to make a comment, gentlemen. <laughs> yes. Is that all right? This is not biblical, but this is historical fact. We should do a show on Mother Teresa and her role and the responsibility of numerous deaths. No question. Absolutely. And that she was no totally notorious. She was a notorious wicked woman. But they never talk about the truth about Mother Teresa. And the other thing, the guy's quoting the uh, uh, Freemasonic Zionist, Benjamin Natu. Not now. I think this gives you an idea of how the inability, because they, these men live in such great law, and under a strong delusion, and because they don't want to accept the word of God, they don't want to accept the truth of uh, God's elect and what that means. They won't accept it. And they'll believe anything to support their lie. And they'll use anything to do that. Very well put. Very well put. That's exactly what they're doing here with this raising literally millions and millions of dollars supposedly for the Jews and the Holocaust. I mean, the next person on the back here is the Honorable Danny Aylon, who is the ambassador of Israel. And he says, quote, the Prime Minister, Ariel Sharon, would like to express his personal appreciation to you, Mike Evans, for being such a great friend of Jerusalem and the state of Israel. Not the people, not the Jewish people, the state of Israel. Speaking out with courage and compassion for over two decades, Prime Minister Ariel Sharon salutes your achievements and wishes you continued success, in quote. Well, how does this link to what we're studying here? Well, we have spiritual Israel, and we have physical Israel. And this brochure is appealing to the Christian community for money. It's got a little thing here for your MasterCard, Visa card. Fill it out, and they want major donations. They don't want small little gifts. They want you to dig deep, okay? The next person on here is the late Bill Bright, founder and president of the Campus Crusade for Christ. Bill Bright, by the way, received the Templeton Award. Do you know that Bill Bright received $1 million from the Templeton Foundation? What for? For promoting unity between the Roman Catholic Church and Christians. <laughs> okay. Actually, and what does he... Pardon me? Ecumenicism. Oh, yeah. And here's what Bill Bright has to say, quote, about Dr. Evans and his promotion of this statehood of Israel. You have influenced thousands, if not millions of people for our dear Savior, God. God raised you up for this, the most momentous and exciting time in all world history to be alive as the Great Commission is in near fulfillment. Now, there's two other parties, and I know I've been a little redundant on this, and there's a reason why I am, because I want people to get this message that this has nothing to do with the Israel of God. Nothing. This has nothing to do with the elect Israel of God. It has to do with the, with the reprobate uh, leaders of the nation of Israel, the state of Israel. Next player. President and Mrs. George Bush, 43rd President of the United States of America. And it's got all these, their pictures on the on this brochure too. It's got Benjamin Netanyahu's picture, and it's got the Ambassador of Israel, Bill Bright, George Bush and his wife, of course, and jo Dr. Jack Hayford. But here's what Bush says. 
quote, the path to the future can only be accomplished through the help and commitment by people like you, end quote. In other words, what Bush is saying is only those who are promoting the, the statehood of Israel, okay, can assure that the future is going to be, you know, in good hands, <laughs> okay? Well, that, that's resounding support coming from George Bush. Skull and bones, Joe, for George Bush, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he's the man who sold him sold Lewis for, oh, that's great. Continue, gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the next, the next player is the infamous, notorious pastor, so-called pa- uh, Paul Crouch's pastor. He called this person his pastor, Doctor Jack Hayford. I remember him having Jack Hayford on Trinity Broadcasting Network many, many Jack, times. Jack, comment, let memory comment. Jack Hayford yeah. has has the church on the way. Yeah. San Fernando Valley, uh, in uh, Van Nuys, California, not too far from uh, uh, John MacArthur's mega church. Jack yeah. Hayford believes in tongues, dreams, and visions, and all of that. Oh um, yeah, it's ceased since the Bible's been complete. And uh, Paul Crouch was a homosexual. And he died at 79 a few years back and left his children a, a big empire of kind of like Tam, Tammy, Tammy and Baker and Jim Baker. And yeah. There is no, there is no truth on television. <laughs> That's true. You go. All and our- also, you know, Dr. Jack Hayford uh, is the president of the King's Seminary, which promotes uh, this dispensational, futurist, charismatic theology. And here's what he has to say, quote, May this day be blessed by a new visitation. Notice the new visitation. You know, God's doing a new thing in the earth, okay? By this new visitation of God's purposes for you, please know how thankful we are for you as well as for the privilege of your friendship and fellowship. Blessings, dear brother. You are loved and esteemed in his life and the partnership and ministry for the kingdom we so richly enjoy. <laughs> you know, they do richly enjoy it. I don't know how many books, uh, bestseller books, Dr. Jack Hayford has. I don't know how many books, best-selling books, Benjamin Netanyahu has. I know Bill Bright has many, many best-selling books, and he got the template. Yes, they are blessed for the kingdom for which they richly enjoy, this earthly kingdom. So I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I wanted to point that out, how that relates to what we're talking about here. And the 22nd verse says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee, speaking of God's elect, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off, which is, would be evidence that you aren't one of his elect. Okay, God is not going to cut off any of those that aren't. <laughs> okay, Now we're going to go on down through from 23 down to 29. And, and Chris, feel free to make any Brother, comments. We missed, we missed verse uh, 21. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Right. About Jews. He's speaking to the Jews. Anyway, you just read 22, 23. And they also, if if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if it were cut off, cut out of the olive tree which is wild by nature and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. The blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness 
of the Gentiles come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are our enemies, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in past times have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Well, while you're taking a breath there, <laughs> you know, this is uh, the contrast, quite a striking contrast between the Israel of God, the elect Israel of God. Notice in 26, a very key verse, very key verse, and I've gotten in quite a bit of dialogue over this verse with many Arminians. And so all Israel shall be saved. Now, the Arminian future dispensations will say, there you go. There's proof of the restoration of the statehood of Israel. <laughs> no. And I say, no. You know, it's speaking there of both Jew and Gentile, spiritual Israel. Yes. And it's, um, it's evidenced by what it says, you know, that there shall come out of Zion, meaning Jesus Christ, uh, the deliverer, and she'll turn away ungodliness from Jacob. You know, and oh man, I'll tell you, Jews, you know, these physical Jews get really angry when you start saying that, look, I'm part of, I'm I'm a spiritual Jew. I, I'm a physical Gentile, but I'm a spiritual Jew. Oh boy, they just, you know, they don't like that at all, you know. But that's what it says. That's They're what physical Jews and not spiritual Israel. That's correct, and uh, you know, and so that. And by the way, and if you want to look at that message, because I've done quite a bit of research, I went through that book on Jerusalem's Countdown by Hagee on that sermon. I put a link to, but this particular verse, verse twenty-nine, is what he uses his whole presupposition to state that the Jew, all Jews are God's chosen people. He says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And then he says um, in verse 28, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but for touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. He's saying <laughs> that um, even though we may have uh, all of these Jews who are enemies in the flesh, they're all Okay, one of God's elect for the Father's sake. That's called twisting Scripture and taking it totally out of context. Okay, because he also says in verse 31, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, which I am notorious for doing, but even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. In other words, that he might have mercy upon all of his elect, those who have been chosen in him from the foundation. Well, now people say, oh, you're into replacement theology. That's repl I had a, a Messiah, uh, Messianic Jew tell me, that's Larry, you're into replacement theology. And I said, no, I'm into the new covenant. I'm not stuck on that. Let me comment yeah. on that. That, that. Anytime anyone tells you replacement theology, substitute the word uh, fulfillment theology. Right, right. That's a better term, because that really depicts what you're saying uh, clearer and confounds them more. <laughs> well, also, you know, and I think you would agree with me, Chris, is that, um, you know, they're, they're still, and when I say they, those who are holding on to this physical Jewishness as being the prerequisite to having the favor of God, um, you know, they don't understand. They don't understand 
the covenant of Christ. They don't understand why Christ came. Exactly, brother. Let me let me iterate here. Yeah. Import, uh, there's they believe that there's two covenants. One right. of the Jews because they're Jewish by blood, and one to you know the Christians because Jesus died for for Christians. But they don't have to believe in the death, burial, resurrection, bloodshed on the cross of Jesus Christ. Those. I'll tell you what, this is covenantal theology and it's nonsense. There's one covenant. It's also, dispens- we, it's also dispensational we, theology, too. It is. And sure, it fits in right in with premillennial dispensationalists, which are most churches today, Armenian. You know, it's there's, also there's, is, 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 is extreme racism. If you really think about it, if you ask yourself, if you do a little bit of research, and see which particular group... And how long they've been the, they've held on to these racist notions of supremacy? You're going to come to find out. Yeah. If we're talking about the synagogue of Satan as one of the longest racist holding groups in the world, uh, justified after what Christ has done, of course. That's one thing to think about. The other thing is it's fascinating that they then go around and call those who quote unquote hold into the uh, tulip or the Calvinists as theological races, which is a contradiction (laughs) in its terms because you cannot be a theological racist. Racism is based on genetics, who you came from, and it has nothing to do with your religious belief. But, you know, they go, they love to twist words and play with words. Sure. I'm not just saying the Jews, but you know the Arminians and all these false teachers. They all love to just twist the words and manipulate people, and uh, people don't realize that. And uh, it's, it's yeah, it takes time to even figure that out ourselves. So you know, I just wanted to make it up. I just I just wanted to finish my point. That the gist of my point was there's they believe there's two covenants: one to the Jew from his bloodline, and one to the Christians as a result of Christ's finished work. And everybody's going to heaven, you know. But the fact of the matter is there's only one covenant, and the only ones going to heaven are those that trust that Christ caused them to trust in his finished work. And that's the same covenant of grace that was given to Noah or or even Abel all the way back from the beginning. So there, this covenantal theology is a farce and a lie. There's one covenant, the covenant of grace. But they sell well, we, more books by stretching out many covenants, and uh, it's it's fallacy. And, you know, um, as far as the manifestation of this covenant, because I want to be clear about this, um, that's been a big argument, you know. I mean, uh, we know that uh, God gave a, gave a covenant of Abraham to Abraham, and we know that he believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. <laughs> you know, and uh, that is the covenant of grace. Right. But no we also, found grace in the sight of the Lord. That that's right. But there was also, and I don't even like to call it. A, you know, we know that this is this grace covenant. According to Hebrews, is a new and better covenant that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Okay. Now I want to go. I want to just have you all look at this because we need to. We need to make sure. In First Corinthians, the tenth chapter, he says, uh, and he's speaking on this very subject. Uh, Paul is. He says, "Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant." How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. And, And now that's why Chris is right on target here. You know, and I'll just further expand one area. 
in, in addition to these covenant the these uh, covenant theologians that try to keep people under the law service, okay, there now is a whole group of new theologians that have come on the scene that are amalgamating that and saying, well, there's actually uh, there's actually three different groups of people. There's the there's the Old Testament there's the Old Testament saints. There's the uh, the the New Testament church, and then there's the Kingdom Age, and we're in the Kingdom Age, and uh, each group, okay, is in a different dispensation, and it it it, it, it those people. Each have a different way to Christ, and uh, in fact, they, some of the hyper dispensations go so far to say people like John Hagee and people is they'll tell you that uh, some of the uh, old Old Testament Jews uh, that are God's chosen people who are not blood bought won't even be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, you know. They're going to be in a totally different place, you know. Where? And uh, by the way, uh, you know, there's some of that. The problem, the problem with this is people don't make a clear distinction between the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Look, the blood that was shed by these animals didn't cover any sins. The blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin. You know, and that's why they're trying to reinstitute these animal sacrifices and the pure red heifer and the temple and all this stuff over in Jerusalem, because there's those Jews never never believed in Jesus as their Messiah in the first place, and they still don't, and so they're still looking for a Messiah. And you know what? They're going to get one. They're going, you know. God, you know, back to this, God is going to send strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they all will be damned, you know. And this goes back to what Mike was saying about the Arminian, you know, take all of the false doctrines and put them in a pot and shake them up, and none of them will stand against the, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of all of his elect world, you know. And, uh, so that's that's kind of my thoughts on this, and uh, you know we we have a we have a perfect sacrifice in Christ Jesus, and so do all of the elect Jews, and that's why we can say so all of Israel will be saved, you know, in Christ, and, it, and you know the conclusion of this is that, um, you know that uh, now now he's speaking here of the elect. Verse thirty-two. Uh, where, where did you stop reading, uh, uh, Chris? Twenty. Twenty. Pardon me. Twenty. Why don't you read now down through the end of the chapter, and then you, we can kind of continue to make our comments and concluding remarks about this. Twenty-one. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest He also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on what on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if it were cut off out of the olive tree, which is by which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, until all Israel shall be saved, as is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. 
for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, or as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed that thou that through your mercy they also shall obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of our Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Well, Chris, you know, why don't you just kind of sum up your thoughts about, you know, in summation, not only of this, but any other comments you have about this complete chapter or any other, uh, you know, chapters or verses in the Bible that you think uh, might be relevant or correlate with, with this passage? Well, there's so many chapters that allude to the <laughs> conclusion that it's just evident. The, the Jew can be brought in to God's grace through the mercy of God alone, just like the Gentile. So nobody's better than the other. It's just all up to God. And, you know, as we read this, and I read that again, to set up the context for the for the last verses of this chapter, because I felt that it was important to, to maintain the context. Everything here, you I've said this before. You the world the world the word the world the word uh, all are conditioned by the context, and they just breeze right over that, and there there's your Armenian argument. They don't look at the context or read and compare slowly and carefully enough. So they, it's you know, it's like surface scripture reading, and they take one one verse. And I've been accused of that as a as a as a doctrines of grace believer. You know, a, 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 a someone who trusts God alone and, and not in myself. So I have no trust in myself. I know I'm a vile, wretched sinner. But so are these Jews that Paul is trying to convince, and they want to kill him. But he's giving them a hard argument, and they really can't, uh, even to this day, they try to confound Paul's words through their covenantal confusion. And as you said, what's going on with Netanyahu who over there on this piece of dirt that isn't the Holy Land at all. Nothing holy about it. Christ isn't walking there currently. And they want to, you know, again, they want to uh, reinstitute sacrifices and red heifer junk and all this nonsense. And they never realized that, that Christ is the fulfillment and the last sacrifice and all these bulls and goats and all this blood and everything. That they were just types and shadows of, of, of the perfect sacrifice that would be pleasing to God. It would reconcile uh, a God back to man or a man back to God through, through Jesus Christ's perfect sacrifice. Absolutely, you know, and that's the whole point we have a dichotomy here. I want to just look at it. just a few uh, scriptures that will, I think, help clarify uh, the distinction between, uh, you know, the the not. And I'm not. This isn't just pick on the physical Jude. I'm talking about this is a distinction between the flesh and the spirit, between the carnal and the spiritual. Now, in the eighth chapter of, of Romans. Second verse says, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, through the flesh, 
God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled. There's your word, Chris, fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Does that sound familiar? What are they thinking about over there? They're thinking about building the temple. They're thinking about it. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's all physical. They're not yes. Like, they're not like yes. The spirit. God hasn't shut. God has given them uh, eyes of slumber in regards exactly. to the why they're focused on the physical and not on the spiritual. Yeah, it says they that that uh, are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It cannot be subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, now he's speaking to the elect, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. If a, Now if a man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now here we have John Hagee saying that's not the case, that these people don't have to have the Spirit of Christ, and but they're still God's chosen people. And uh, if you look down to the 14th verse, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know, and he says in 16, The Spirit beareth witness uh, with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. And uh, so anyway, then, you know, we, we go on down, and, and he says, now, I want, when I read this, I want you, everybody here that's listening, and anybody that listens in the future, to think about this. I want you to think about if this applies to physical Jews. Not elect Jews, but I want you to I want you to tell me if this applies to physical Jews. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Verse thirty, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he also called, them he also what? Justified? Justified? I mean, I think justification has a linkage to uh, Christ dying on the cross, doesn't it? Justification. And whom he justified, them he also glorified, you know. And what about this one? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Does that apply to the physical Jews who don't believe in Jesus Christ as their Messiah? Not at all. And why in verse 33 does it say it is God that justifieth? <laughs> okay? It is God that justifieth. And uh, it also says that, um, you know, that uh, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Well, the only way that we can have the love of Christ is if we have the imputed righteousness of Christ, you know, and then the end, the the the, the final finale, you know, is which in verse thirty nine, the last clause, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now my question is, how does that apply to physical Jews that don't even believe in Jesus Christ? It doesn't. It doesn't. And so that's really uh, all I have. And uh, I'm going to shut up. And anybody else that has any comments or thoughts, uh, feel free to throw those out. Well, <clears throat> I can see why they hate uh, John and Paul so much, huh? <laughs> they don't right. like the New Testament. They don't like Christ. Really. 
Yeah. I hate to be so cynical about it, but the more and more you learn about it, it's just hard not to be. Right. And uh, I know we got to try to be compassionate to these folks, but uh, I don't know what what to do except to speak the truth. <laughs> you know I mean? And we're not. What else can we do? We're not, not going to win them over. We're not boasting, you know. We're not boasting no. at all. I mean, we we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were without hope, without God in the world, while we were yet dead in our trespasses and sin. You know, um, Christ manifested Himself to us, and uh, you know, what makes us to differ from them other than what Christ has done for us? And you know. Yeah, I don't understand, you know, but it says, who can know the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has taught him, you know? Um, And so I think we have to remember that, but I think also we have to be very clear and and very specific to the world. And when I use the world, I'm saying the world at large here, you know, all men without exception. We need to make it. We made to make very clear statements of biblical relevance that there is a difference between the statehood of Israel and the elect Jew. I think we should be very clear about that. Yeah. And that, and when we do, when we do, like, like you said, Chris, when we do make that statement, look out because you know there's going to be fireworks. And then if you are willing to do a little bit of historical study on it, you're going to realize who created the state of Israel, the, who the background oh, yes. oh, actors yes. are. Once again, comes out of Rome, who actually owns Israel, and Jerusalem in particular, and um, what the real purpose of the state of Israel is in the first place. Of course, God's being sovereign. He's allowing all this to happen. And... Um, all glory, praise go to him, but it's clearly part of the being passing judgment on the world. Right. This, this state of Israel has, if, if it is part of God's plan, it's the complete opposite of what they're saying. It is uh, a tool that he is using in his infinite wisdom to pass judgment on the world as a whole, of mankind. Right. And, um, I would not. If anyone is a true believer of Jesus Christ, by His mercy and His grace, to be that person, how you can possibly accept what you're seeing over there as uh, something that you want to be a part of, you have to be under very strong delusion. Oh, you have to be more of concerned about the praise of men and what other people may say in your own little community. Why, even it's sad to say that the atheist is probably more honest about what's going on over there than the average "quote unquote" Christian. Which just says one more thing of what I talked about before, before the show, about how an awful lot of these people. One of the most dangerous things that I'm discovering are these goats, the goats, out there. The terrorists pretending to be followers and believers of Christ. They're very dangerous. Yet we have to live with them and we have to accept them and we have to tolerate them. And how do we go about that? Well, I guess the only thing you do is just speak the truth and know that the vast majority are going to be offended by it. But someone like myself might hear all this stuff and say, you know, what they're saying is true. It is right. And and, um, you know, that's how God works on us, isn't it? That's how he brings us to us, is through each other or the, not only his spirit, but, you know, then somebody teaches it a little bit here and a little bit there, and you start to to put the pieces together and go, oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it really is such a thing as election. Oh, I can finally understand the Bible for the first time because somebody was honest and not afraid to teach me the truth about what's really what it's really saying. Right. And it wasn't interested in winning me over and my praises, but was just interested in speak. You know, God motivated them to inspire them to speak the truth. And um, uh, it is it is a interesting uh, dynamic in life because you know 
yes, the truth sets you free, but at the same token, uh, now you have to live with that. You have to live with reality, live in reality, and live with what is all around you, and really put more and more of your faith and trust in God. It's brilliant. God is so brilliant and how he worked it all out. If you really think about it, <laughs> it's hard on me. It's challenging, but <laughs> well, I couldn't think of a more brilliant idea and Brian as far as teaching someone and bringing them closer to you than to teach to you about how wrong you have been all your life, what a sinner you are, how you need a savior. And then you look at the world and go, it really is a mess out there. And there really is no hope but Jesus Christ. That's exactly right. It can, it can be the only, only hope. And and you know, if you think about it, um, it's it's somewhat um, mind-boggling to think that all of these millions and millions of people are laying their very life of their eternal soul on something that is hopelessly helpless. Now they don't. They, they, why do we see that? Why do we feel that? Why do we sense it? Why do we know it? And why do they yeah. not? Yeah, yeah. That's because we're better than them. That's for sure. No, we're not better than anybody. We're yeah. we're wretched sinners. You know. You know where the the Lord says, "Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect?" Well, we think of it in the terms of people, but that includes the Lord Himself. The Lord himself cannot lay anything to the charge of his own elect and won't. Now, one might say, well, God can do anything he wants. No, he can't go back on what he's promised, and he never will. That's right, and he's also, I mean, he's loved them eternally. You know? Absolutely. So he's and not going to violate his, that. You know, his love is... Just like this adoption thing, you know. I mean, I mean, he predestinated us into adoption as well. But I mean, he loved us from the found before the foundation of the world. And and uh, I like I like to think about what you know, God says regarding His Son. You know, His Son was eternally begotten of the Father, and God loved His Son eternally begotten of Him. God has eternally loved his children. It wasn't just a temporary thing. And, uh, you know, so many times when people think about the term everlasting, they only think about, you know, future everlasting or eternal future everlasting. They don't go back to past everlasting. Right. And you know what? If you... If we if we have been eternally loved by the Father, like Chris said, <laughs> he cannot deny himself. Right. So. so. All right, gentlemen. Well, I appreciate this. Uh, um, another excellent dialogue and study on Romans chapter 11, and I will correct the spelling of that on <laughs> <laughs> after we're done here. Uh, uh, so uh, thank you. And uh, take care.